All right, let's get this live, and then I'll get the. Uh, I'll start sharing this a little bit here. All righty, as everyone starts to stream in. All right, so let's just hit that. There you go. There's a tweet. We got some people coming in here. We'll get the comments going. Let's see who's all, who's here, who's not. Welcome everybody in. We'll start in a minute. Just kind of give everyone a chance to get settled and ready. Uh, did you see the tweet combo? I don't know. Oh, is that oh. a members only jacket you're wearing? Look at yeah, you. man. Holy. You like that, huh? Wow. I feel underdressed right now. <laughs> oh, right, man. How are you feeling, combo? I'm feeling great, man. You know, everything's good. Recording podcasts, hanging out with Coach Nick on the weekly basis. Hey. Um, it's good times, man. You know what's, what I mean? not, what's not to like? I actually have maybe a kind of a big announcement. Maybe I'll, I'll save it for the live show because then I haven't really said anything yet. But uh, Oh, and we get to talk about your EuroLeague video. I love that video. I got some stuff to add, too. I love oh, it. Oh, great. But you know yeah. what? I probably, you know, I was if I wasn't in such a hurry to get it done, I would have had you maybe come in and, and lay down a track with you in there. But uh, that's great. Well, we'll do that. We got to talk about KD. Did you get a chance to peek at KD's uh, debut? I, I went through... I'm yeah. almost, I'm like through the third quarter now watching every minute. And I'm just going to really pull it apart for tomorrow for a video. But what's up, Spire Dalla 66, Dre and uh, Nick F. What's going on? Hello, everybody out there. Don't forget, if you want your questions asked, the best way to do it is Super Chat on the YouTube side. And we'll put your question up on the screen to give you a lot of love. And it really helps us keep this show going. So please do that if you can. But um, let's start the show, shall we? Yeah. Sure, I guess I'll do my little hate sports fans. So here we go. Uh, hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown live show coming at you on a beautiful Thursday midday uh, with Combo, Andrew Combo Salva, as always. Combo, great to see you and your and your uh, members-only jacket. Uh, thank you for uh, being here. What's happening, my man? All is well, man. Uh, watch your video today. It was awesome. Can't wait to talk about it. Uh, the NBA is fun. Uh, Kevin Durant is playing for, what, his seventh team. No shade to him. He's playing where he wants to play. You know, mobility is a real thing. Uh, it was seamless. That'd be the one word I'd describe that game, right? And implementing a star like that. He's probably one of the easiest superstars to play with. So all is well, Coach Nick. All is well. All right. All right. Well, let's get into it because if you haven't watched the video, and some of you out there probably haven't, you better do that, uh, that we dropped this morning. Uh, but basically, not too long ago, we had an interesting insight that we don't normally get from guys who really know what they're talking about in terms of Luka Doncic, uh, Nikola Jokic, and Giannis Antetokounmpo, all talking about what it's like playing in Europe and why it, it's harder to score in Europe. And so I said, okay, let's look at this. Look at, look, let's look at the top scorers in EuroLeague, which is a pretty good microcosm of Europe in, in general. Uh, and see, is it harder to score in that game than it would be uh, in the NBA? Uh, because obviously the people would probably raise their eyebrows and think that's kind of strange. Um, and so I broke it down. And uh, you know what? I, it's interesting. I, the guy that leads the league in scoring and is an MVP candidate is a role player, basically. Uh, Sasha uh, Venkanov is a um, he, he plays within the offense. He doesn't do any pick and rolls. He doesn't do any isos. He just runs the offense, and they skip it to him, and he can shoot the crap out of the ball. Holy moly. Uh, off the dribble, uh, you know, well, off the dribble in the sense that he'll do the shot fake and then get in the off dribble bag a little bit and then shoot it, uh, or just catch and shoot. doesn't matter how close the defender is, whatever. Uh, lefty, uh, you know, so, so he can really fill it up on that. But it's really kind of, from a coach's perspective, almost exciting to see that you can have that much success and lead the league in scoring per game 
playing that way. So, so what are your, what are your thoughts? Was I off on anything? No, first of all, it was a great video. Um, the 40 minute thing. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Like if you put an NBA player in Euro league, they're not going to average as much. And the big reason is because the games are just shorter. And you know, you showed that beautifully on the video, but I think even if the minutes were the same, a lot of players wouldn't average. The same. Like if Giannis played in Euro league, right. Yeah. And they changed it to 48 minutes a game. Do you think he would average more in Euroleague? Oh, uh, well, that's, by the way, that's a great question. Would he average more if the same? Because, by the way, I broke it down. I was almost going to try and grab a screenshot and share it. I, I broke down the per 36 because then you can normalize. Right. Yes. And if you see the top scores in the NBA, it's like ridiculously a way beyond. It's like right. as much. So if we weren't, if we wouldn't change the minutes, there's no way, in my opinion, he would average yeah. more in Euroleague. There's no right. chance. No. I couldn't find pace uh, stats, and I, maybe I didn't look uh, hard enough uh, for, for for that. But maybe maybe it's there. Let me, you know what? Uh, somebody real GM um, has it. You know what? They might have it. I remember now in my brain, I can see that they had advanced stats. They might have pace. I'm kind of curious. Um, if I can find any more talking, because obviously pace is another issue, right? Where it's so fast right now in uh, the NBA that. You know, you can argue that the per game totals are inflated a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, I never thought it was a hot take when Luca and other guys said it was easier to score in the NBA. Another thing is that I don't know if you talked about this in your video is that if you get an advantage on offense, they're going to foul you. Like they teach you there to use all of your fouls, especially if the player is in a non-shooting situation. So if you're dribbling in transition and there's a chance that you'll get numbers and an advantage, they'll foul you right away. They don't do that in America. Also, well, you're going to outlaw it. Yeah, well, yeah, but in general, like in college and in high school and all over the and all over the United States, they never taught you just to foul what would seem like to be for no reason. But there yeah. is a reason because they don't want you to get an advantage. Um, another thing is I noticed when I was playing abroad is that I had a lot of travels called when I first played because they just call it differently. And you'll see a lot of overseas players. When they won't, when they're practicing, when they get home, you'll notice they'll put the ball down first because if you rip through in the half court or in transition, they're going to call that right away. So well, that's a whole lot. Timeout. So the FIBA a couple of years ago added the officially added the gather step to their rules for that okay. reason. But by the way, I like it that way. And I remember we would train guys who were going over there. We'd show them that you had to spike the ball down. If you're on the run, catching the ball, you couldn't catch it, rip through and dri dribble. They call travel. Right. Totally. But recently they, they don't do it as much because they put that rule in to allow that, that. So there's a commonality between NBA and, and FIBA. However, uh, I, but I, like I said, I think that we should go back to that. I love the fact that you would spike it down and go uh, and, and avoid that, even that possibility of a travel as it is. Um, but yes, now that, let me just say this, cause I posted this on, on Twitter and it got around a little bit, but, um, uh, Vesnikov, uh, Vizenkov, uh, you know, his footwork isn't great. And like, get, he gets away with a lot of shifty footwork where he's shifting his feet before he dribbles and they don't call any of it. And not that they should, but it would be nice if they did. But I think that my point was that, you know, the Euro league isn't immune to stars, for instance, getting away with things just like the NBA is. And I feel like there's pushback a lot of times front with that saying oh you can't get away with that in the euro league and it's not true so a real thing is also is they'll call things on the american players that they won't call on the native players that's a huge thing right oh, really? like if yeah like if you're a national player that grew up in the country they look at some of those guys like that's their children right wow. like they watch them play they watch them go through the ranks 
from 12 under national team, you know, 19 U national team to the men's national team. So when they just see an American that first got there, they don't know this guy, you know, they're going to probably call some things that they wouldn't call on the native players. That's a real thing for sure. That's amazing. Well, I got a stat for you because I, I called it up. Uh, I looked at the pace. I found pace. Now, if, if we have, if we're assuming that a real GM has pace the same way as um, they do on the NBA site, which is, you know, possessions per hundred or whatever. Um, okay. The number one pace team in the EuroLeague is 72.6. Can you put that in your head? That's the fastest pace we see in the EuroLeague, 72.6. Do you want to guess what the fastest pace in the NBA is? No, tell me. 102.81. Now, let's go to the slowest pace in the NBA, Cleveland Cavaliers, 96. So the slowest paced team in the NBA is so far and away faster than the fastest paced team in the EuroLeague. It isn't even funny. And that has to also go a long way to explaining why the production is lower because there's less possessions. So even the best that that explains to me the per 36 when you normalize uh, more than anything else, because it's insane how, how little they just have less opportunities, they have less possessions to try and score. Yeah, and the way they play defense, it's harder to get in a rhythm of a f and flow of offense because everything's choppy. Like, think about every veteran trick you could think of on the defensive end, and they're doing them all, and they're allowing more physicality. The refs are, that is. Yeah, and, and that's okay because they're starting to um, let that happen in the NBA too, right? The last mm -hmm. couple of years, we've seen guys go into the basket. There's a little contact. They're not calling it, which is awesome. I think everyone agrees that, um, you know, there's a balance there, but I think it's better what they're doing there. But you're right. There definitely seems to be, um, you know, Mike James, man, gets a lot of tough shots as an American over there, which is probably kind of talking about you're what you are. Uh, and, and I looked at a couple of those guys like Dwayne Bacon and Mike James who play like Americans, a lot of ball handling, a lot of, you know, uh, usage rate. Um, whereas, you know, the, a lot of the other guys don't in EuroLeague. So, it, you know, you could argue that it's more of a, of a team sport. The coaches are more in control. Some of the problems I've had, though, with the tough shots and the reason why it was tough was because of the offense itself. There, the spacing was bad. It was almost too much motion, too much movement. It was getting in the way of people. So, like, Mike James is having to deal with his own players in his way as much as he was a defense. And so that's going to make it harder to score. And, you know, the fact that he can do it there is, is even that more impressive. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I remember when I first went over, it's like the offense was just weird to me, but this sounds a little like philosophical weird, but their reality is just different from our reality. The way they grew up coaching, the way they grew up playing is just totally different. The way they look at basketball is totally different. It definitely is more a team perspective over there and more of a player perspective over here. It's all about the team. Like if you get a crazy dunk over there, and your team is losing by 20, nobody cares, right? But if it's a simple dunk and it puts your team up one, the crowd goes bananas. It's all about the win and the loss. It's all about the team. It's not about the individual player player. Yeah, I, I got to get over there, man. I, I mean, the Final Four is coming up, and, I, you know, it's in um, Estonia. No, uh, no, where is it? It's, I forgot where it was. It, it was it, yeah. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I'll, oh. And uh, and I just don't think I'm going to get over there, but I, I really do need to get over there and just take it all in live and look at some practices and really just uh, absorb it. Because, listen, the NBA does run offense, too. There's a lot of similarities. You see a lot of similar stuff and the NBA probably taking some of the stuff we've seen in Europe. But um, 
But at some point, sometimes it's like it, it is too frenetic and, and it's like wasted action because the guy with the ball never is going to see what's happening way over there while you're having all five guys scurrying around like that. I, I found I found it a little bit frustrating. And then also defensively, I, I'm, I, I've never liked how they play defense in the EuroLeague. I feel like the rotations are weird. Uh, they're suboptimal. They allow stuff that like on purpose. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, they help one pass away and they don't seem to get burned a lot by it, which is really strange because it's like, you know, the guy comes over to the ball and all he has to do is just pass it. And the guy and the guy he's helping off of is an elite shooter. And it, it wasn't happening. Uh, I pointed out in the video, like Nate Walters is a good shooter. And his man just flies in there to come up the works on a pin down for uh, that was, I think, Mike James's team. And then he, James doesn't pass it to him and they don't get the wide open three. So that's another thing. I like to see the three point frequency. I suspect. Do you feel like there was it was more wide open there where there's a lot of threes being taken in EuroLeague or in Europe? Yeah, I also felt like this is probably not the case anymore that the worst shooters over there are were a lot better than the worst shooters over here. Like the baseline of shooting was a lot higher, in oh, my opinion. So yeah. But that has changed now, I think, because I think like Steph Curry changed everything and now everybody wants to shoot really well. Yeah, but, right. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but no, it's just a totally different sport. It, it really is. And at the highest levels, it's more about the win and the loss and less about entertainment. And I feel like here it's more about not more about entertainment, but the entertainment part of it is a bigger deal, right? Yeah. Well, you know what? I could do a quick three-point frequency uh, math here because we can see the totals right now. So they've taken, let's see, the, the most, uh, Basconia has taken the most threes total. Let's just assume that they're, like, they're the most prolific. So 741 divided by to uh, total field goals, 1618 is uh, 46%. So that's actually a lot. So that's in line with like what you'd see at the very top. I think the very top in the NBA is, is 47, 48-ish. So, so they're taking like, you know, they are taking the threes. That's good. And they were always taking the threes probably before we were. Um, mm -hmm. So that's, that's good. Um, I, I would like to, yeah, it would be fun to probably end up having a tournament where we see the NBA teams play against the EuroLeague teams in a in real, for real. Um, which, which, rule, which rules would you use though? You know, uh, right. Well, maybe depending on where they are, maybe they, we go there, we play by their rules. Uh, because uh, the, one thing I was hard to find was, you know, you could tap the ball off the rim after it's up there. It doesn't happen that much, right? But it is something you can add to the list of like why it's harder to score. Because if you you would get a roll in the NBA, they're knocking that thing off if they get a chance. For a lot of the time, um, it just doesn't happen a lot. But like they will. Um, did that ever happen to you? Did you ever get your shots knocked off the rim? Yeah, yeah, definitely. How, even all, even off a of free th even off of free throws. Oh yeah, because they're because they're really focused in, in position. Right, right. So, yeah. you know what? I should look at some more missed free throws. God darn it all. I was trying to find them. I, it was hard to find. I couldn't take more. You should have done this video together, Coach Nick. Come on. Yeah, I should have asked you. I forgot about it. Forgive me. But I'm going to do a whole series on EuroLeague throughout this season, so we'll have plenty of time. I have, uh, you know, I'm doing it with, uh, in cooperation with WSC Sports, and they have a great platform I can use to find all the great replay angles. So I'll be doing more. Don't worry about it. Um, okay. Yeah, Lithuania. That's what I, that's what I wanted to say uh, is where. Thank you, Blue Crate, for where the uh, Final Four is for the uh, the EuroLeague. And by the way, yeah, go ahead. Here's another thing. If they would play with EuroLeague rules, it'd be so many adjustments as we see in international competition, the Olympics. But there is no time to ease into a game when it's a 40-minute game, right? So if you know how NBA regular season games are, it's kind of like take your time in the beginning, ease yourself in. There's none of that at the EuroLeague level. They're playing hard right away. Kind of like how college is, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I hear you. Now, what about this? Um, um, what do I wasn't ask? The ball. So I got to get my hand on a, ball, a EuroLeague ball because it's got more panels, 
Molten, right? You're talking about uh, the Molten. I, I think it's Molten. They used to do Molten. And they was they were sponsored at some point with me for a long time ago. I got to reach out to them, but I think it's Molten, or maybe it, no, it might be Spalding now. Somebody well, sent me a link to the official Euroleague ball. I think it's Spalding. One of the leagues I played with, I played in over there. They used a Nike ball, which was very similar to any American ball. Okay. So, so it just depends the league you play in. But I know when people think of the overseas basketball, they think of that multi-panel Molten ball. Which were pretty nice. They're pretty easy to grip. They're pretty easy to shoot. Well, that's the that is the point I wanted to make because if it has eight panels versus the six that the um, NBA has, then the panels are smaller. And it, it does feel small. the basketball actually does feel smaller in my opinion. I don't know if it actually is, but it feels that way. Yeah. Why can't I find a damn link? Oh, here it is. Yeah, it's Spalding. So Spalding makes the official one now. But oh. like that, that makes sense. The the, the pan, you have more panels or you have more uh, grooves because there's let there's more panels. And the depth of the panels might also be different as well. And again, that is a whole ball handling is different. Shooting is different. And it looks different. I can't even tell you intrinsically. Just, something about it is, is different. And maybe even more like the ball handling looks more, more like better for some reason. And it has to be part of it is that you can grip it better. And I know when I was growing up and we would get an NBA ball, it's so much different than now. That ball, when I was in a sophomore in high school, I could practically palm and again it was probably the kind of leather was really almost like sticky you know it really could grip it and uh my hands are no bigger probably bigger now and i can't grip that one like i did used to do then so something was different i think the panels were deeper too so that when you gripped it you could you get more surface area on the fingertips um that it's got to be a big difference and i know we've heard it's a big, a big difference when the guys go play for fiba uh from america in the fiba tournaments yeah, it's definitely an adjustment in so many ways. Um, just total, It's a totally different sport. You know, totally different sport over there. Yeah, well, okay. I'm not sure I would say totally, but it's it's different. A lot, a lot of differences. And, uh, and, and I would agree. But here's the thing I thought was the coolest thing about the whole thing was that, um, you know, from a perspective of a guy like Luca, then, of course, it would seem a lot harder to score because of the way he wants to score. He wants to dominate the ball. He's going to try and ISO and do all that stuff. So I love the fact that the guy that does lead the league in scoring is a guy who's playing like a team, you know, and a team that runs the best offense pretty much. And I know Abradovich has probably better offense with, um, oh gosh, where is he now? Um, I'll think of it in a second. But um, but like uh, with Olympiacos, like they they when you compare that to like what Mike James is running in in Monaco, it was it's like night and day. He has he just doesn't have space. And I think it's the coach. I think it's the way they want to run their offense. It's 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 mind boggling. And here's the other thing is the three-point line is closer. So the argument then is that, like, it's a little bit more packed in. There's the, the, the closeouts are shorter. Now, the width of the court is about a foot and a half short, uh, less wide as well. That you, So you'll see guys who are guarding shooters in the corners on the block. And that must be because of that extra foot they have, or less of a foot, they feel like they can close out there and still be in hell position early where you get, you get killed in the NBA by doing that. Yeah, I mean, if you're a slasher and a guy that doesn't like to shoot, for the most part, you're going to have a tougher time overseas than you are in America. There's definitely a lot more spacing in the States. Yeah, for sure. Because you slash, you, first of all, the ball's going to get tipped if they try and throw it to you. And if you get it, it's like you're in a crowd. Yeah, and also, like, so sometimes they'll call the obvious. Um, actually, sometimes they'll call a foul when they could really see it, right? Like maybe up high or you're kind of in space and then somebody gets over to you last minute and – barely touches you they might call that but the ones that's like a grind to the rim they never call those for some reason i don't yeah. know yeah i don't know well they, they there's a they certainly the players are used to that now and there's a it's definitely consistent so yeah uh you know it, it really I, I can't wait to do more i always like watching euro league although again i, I scratched my head at the defensive principles that they use there but uh but hey 
uh, maybe they're maybe I'm they, wrong. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. They scratch our head. At, they scratch yeah. their head at, at our stuff. You know. I guess I just I just like I'm like you know you're letting you no know, penetration. You're helping one pass away. Well, it, from the, I mean, uh, if you away. if Coach Nick, if you grew up in Europe and you had the same passion for basketball, the way you coach basketball would be probably totally different, right? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think it would be in the sense of the cultural influence. Yeah. Which is probably the soccer influence too, which is why like a lot of times uh, the European league, the players are, are, are willing passers, you know, I'll tell you another thing about the soccer influence. When I first went over there, another thing was, is like everybody would get like the slightest injury, the, the native players and they'd roll around on the floor for like an hour. Like they were hurt and they were fine. Uh -huh. Like you see, you see that with Luca, like he looks like he's really hurt and then he's all right. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, a soccer thing. Well, they, they also have the, the instant technical for flopping in, 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 in the EuroLeague, right? I think that they have that. Mm, um, I didn't know about that. Okay. You, know, you don't think so? Or, or maybe. 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 I, but I don't, they have that, don't they have that in the States now or something? Well, or they not? have fines now in the NBA for flopping, yeah. but I haven't heard of a fine for flopping in so long, and I feel like you know they, I'm sure they could have fined people, but they haven't. I think Vladi Divac actually brought the flopping to the NBA, right? Uh, I mean, listen, I guarantee you we'll find some Americans in the 70s who were flopping. You know, it's flopping okay. around. But, but you know, he may be maybe more popular and stuff. And listen, Vlade was awesome. I love Vlade. I love the way he played. So, But let's talk about KD uh, and playing with the Phoenix Suns. He had his debut against the Charlotte Hornets. Pretty smart. You know, it's on the road. But, you know, the Hornets are not a team that's going to give you too many problems with a team that's got Booker and CP3 and KD on it together. Uh, I did isolate the 15 minutes they played together as starters. They didn't, they didn't mix and match any other two players with those big three. So the big three only played with the starters in that 15 minutes. And um, it wasn't great as far as like the production. And I, I kind of felt that like I, you saw KD doing it, everything he was doing. Uh, and there's some interesting actions I'll, I'm going to break down and, and get, you know, draw some stuff, stuff out. You can see how they're going to incorporate him. Um, and by the way, whatever they did last night is probably the extent of what they're going to get done because there's what 20 games left, maybe hardly any practices. I don't know if they're going to install much more than this, but um, it, you know, the, the offensive rating was in the eighties and so was the defensive rating. It was a plus 3.4 probably for net rating. So they, they, they won those minutes, but um, it, that wasn't the difference there. The starters were not the difference in this game, but we did get the chance to see Katie look at him studying his movement patterns. That right knee looks fine. Yeah, he always comes back great from injuries. And I was actually thinking about this today. There are ways to be able to work on your game while you are injured, right? Like, let's say you hurt your leg. You could always lift upper body as long as you do it safely. Let's say you hurt your left hand. You could work on your right hand. And I'm sure KD is one of those guys that is continuing to work even when he's injured because he always comes back great from injuries. He's definitely the best plug-and-play superstar we have in the NBA, you could drop him on any team and he'll make them better. Like, let's say we drop LeBron on any team. He'll make them better, but everybody around LeBron will have to change what they do a little bit. That's actually a really great point. Uh, yeah, that's a, make sure you clip that for your, uh, that's a good little, uh, uh, you know, sub, uh, what's mini content for your stuff. Because yes, uh, LeBron, yeah, you'd have to adjust. There's adjustments to be made to play alongside him. And you're right, KD doesn't, you don't need that adjustment. He can fit right in and he can blend in. Uh, they had some cool stuff. They were posting him up and then running uh, Booker off of some weak side screens, which I really loved. Didn't work. They didn't really get a good shot off of it, but uh, I love what they're looking for, and they that will work without question. And then they also have uh, actions. They don't have enough actions where they get Booker and KD involved together, uh, and hopefully that will change in the playoffs. But you did see moments where 
uh, Katie's gravity was so great that it does open like a wide open shot for Booker who missed it, but like he got a wide open shot and that's, that's rare for him. So um, there's no question. Monty is, is got the, the, the eye for it and he's just going to have to sort of, you know, the next 10, 15 games sort of uh, chisel it away until they get the, the, the nice sculpture. I feel like there's not as much redundancy and skill set than there was with Kai, Katie and Harden, but on the other end of it, right? They are all mid-range shooters. Do you, so do you think that could actually hurt them, even though they're really efficient playing against all these teams, knocking down a whole bunch of te- uh, knocking down a whole bunch of threes? Well, I mean, they got to the finals and it didn't hurt them. Um, but that said, they benefited greatly from the Lakers breaking down, um, which is what happens to every team. But if we needed to look at it like in, going forward now and that's that style, yeah, maybe it wouldn't have worked so well. If we don't maybe we don't use that as a great example, but. Um, it could, it could, but you know, at least with KD, he's going to get his threes up too. Um, you know, Booker, not as much and not as much for CP three, but like, you know, and they have other shooters now who, who can stretch that floor. I was looking for that too, to see like, who are they going to play alongside these guys? So I think that they have enough shooting to, to, to make it work, uh, and, and to go okay. deep. In, in, a, in a year, it's very strange, right? This is a very strange Western conference where it's as wide open as it could be. Uh, unless you want to argue that, like, you know, Denver has solidified themselves and they have the glow and they've got the confidence and they they can put their foot on the neck of anybody else in the Western Conference. But I don't know. They haven't really proven it quite yet. So, yeah, it's open. And uh, the Suns uh, have as a good a shot as anybody, especially with, like, the Lakers, who had done everything they needed to do for that trade. You know, LeBron is probably out for the season, right? Do you have that feeling? Yeah, I, I have a feeling that's the case, yeah. I, I mean, it was so unimpressive what he did to injure his foot. You know, did you see the play? Yeah, I did. Yeah, it, it really it wasn't much of anything uh, aside from maybe the fact that he played 36 minutes a game for the whole year at his age, which is, I think, the, the biggest mistake. And he stepped in. It, I, and I still can't quite identify anything specifically that it would have put his foot in any kind of danger. Uh, and, and he was and then he played on it. He continued to play on it, which I think was a big mistake. And then he was walking on it on the way out of the of the uh, of the arena. And, and the only way you can convince me it wasn't this big mis- catastrophic mistake was that okay, maybe it wasn't as serious as it sounds. But like they're already talking about how it's going to be a long extended absence. And let me tell you again, there how many games are left? There's less than twenty now, right? Yeah, and AD didn't play this past game. Russell's going uh, through an injury right now. They they won against OKC anyway. But man, it's going to be tough. It is going to be tough to uh, make it all the way in the playoffs, but everything's so close. You never know. You never know. Well, we have our first super chat from buzzer beater. Thank you so much. Buzzer beater. Very generous of you. Appreciate it. And he wants to talk about the Knicks. We talked about them last time. I think um, Leon Rose for executive of the year. Well, okay. Let's, let's talk about this. I let's see. I watched a Knicks a little bit of Knicks recently, but have you been watching them carefully? Yes. I'm here in the New York area. Definitely yes. watch some Knicks. Give me, give me your feedback. Uh, Jalen Brunson has been everything for that team. He puts players in the right place, and he's one of the most skilled and crafty players in the NBA. I think it's a disservice that he did not make the All-Star game. Um, But, yeah, the young players are stepping up. Love quickly. Obi's a solid player. Mitchell, great big. That could help you. Um, Has to get the free throw shooting better and uh, definitely could improve upon a few things. He actually doing a better job of not fouling as much. He used to, like, foul out in, like, it felt like 10 minutes before. So I love everything the Knicks are doing. And Julius Randle is having an improved season, even though sometimes he does stuff that like breaks my basketball brain, he still gets it done. Okay. So they won seven in a row and they're now, you know, uh, let's see the standings have them at um, 
Where are they fifth in the conference? You know, right in between Cleveland and, and Brooklyn. Um, Brooklyn, you know, might you know is going to probably drop uh, lower and lower as we go along. Uh, let's see, thirty-seven and twenty-seven. So forty-seven, fifty-seven, sixty-seven, sixty-six. So there's sixty-four games they played. Um, they got eighteen games left. Yeah, so teams are about under twenty games left. Um, here's the thing. I, I, I quickly wanted to just at least take a peek at the at the win, winning streak and who they beat because it's, it'll be interesting. Uh, the Jazz at home, the Nets at home. Okay, I, I'm not the biggest Jazz supporter. I think that they're they're you know whatever. Beating them is not uh, a titanic task. They beat the Hawks in Atlanta. Okay, they beat the Wizards in Washington. Okay, and then they had the Pelicans. Uh, oh, oh but here's what's coming up. Oh no no. But then they beat the Pelicans at home. They beat the Celtics at home. They beat the Nets again at home. So the Celtics is a really good win for them. I got to check that and see if they had everybody real quick. I don't, wait, I watched a piece of that game, didn't I? Um, yeah, the Celtics had Tatum, Smart. Oh, they didn't have Jalen Brown. Um, but still, so that that's the concern. Because in looking forward to the next uh, several games, they have played at, at Miami, at Boston in a rematch. They get Charlotte at home, which will help. But then they're on the road for the Kings, Clippers, Lakers and then the Blazers. Uh, that's going to be tough, and I I'm, that's going to be where I keep my eye on them to see how they respond to that road trip because that'll give you a really good indication of what they can do in the in the playoffs. Shouts to the Kings, man, they're unbelievable. Yeah, right. No. I mean, we that that game this past weekend, as you know, it's just wow. Like they should have lost like three times. Like that team has no quit, no quit. Oh yeah. Them. Oh, I know. I mean, I broke down the, the crazy game against the Clippers, and but, right. you know, hopefully they had you know Russell on, on the other team because otherwise they would have won. Uh, they would have lost that game. But still, they don't quit. They run beautiful offense. Now, Leon Rose for executive of the year. Um, remind me, I, I, is it only um, pick? Uh, sorry, signing um, uh, Brunson or what was the other? Any other major moves? I don't think there were any other major ones. Gron- not Gron- that I could, not there. that I could think of. I mean, they drafted a lot of these guys, right? RJ's not having an amazing season, but quickly, I love the way quickly plays basketball. Um, you know, Obi, solid player. Oh, you know what? Hart is a good pickup, really good pickup midseason. Um, what else did they do? They did something else too. I'm trying to think. Mm. I mean, let's look. I mean, you know, Cam. Well, they got rid of Cam Reddish for the Hart thing. Uh, yeah, that, that was a bit. And Hart's actually shooting it better now since he landed in New York. Yeah, I'm actually checking this out. Uh, and yeah. How's uh, How's Dybul shooting in the Blazers? Am I seeing he, he got a, he found his jump shot in Portland? Yeah. Oh yeah, he he was lighting it up. I, I was I I saw somebody sent me some clips. I, I'm not even sure I love the the, the rhythm of what he's doing right now, uh, Thibault in in, in uh, Portland. But um, oh. Hang on, we got another one. Hang on, um, but uh, but but he's but a few of them look really good, and it really doesn't matter. It's like get him in. How do whatever you can do to get him in. And so I I like Thibault. You know it, it, they're gonna they're gonna rue the day that they traded away him away. He was the guy that easily could have helped them and uh, and you know change the scenery. I don't know what it is, but um, there's no question that you know he could be a, a solid enough three point shooter and then a devastating defender, and that's what you'd need in the playoffs. Uh, but let's get, we have another um, super chat from Endless. Thank you so much. Love the show, Coach. Uh, can Warriors make it far? It's a really interesting question. I had this discussion the other day. Um, I, I don't know. I have, I have severe doubts. But then again, we really have not seen Wiggins healthy, Curry healthy, Draymond healthy, Clay healthy. Like, you know, the, the big four and then, and then Looney with everybody else and then slot in the right spots. We haven't seen it really this year. So I don't know. What do you think? Can they make it far? Yes, because I think we talked about this before, Coach Nick. When the Warriors are hitting on all cylinders, 
They have the highest ceiling in the NBA when it comes to offense. Clay is bet- playing better than he ever has post injuries. Um, you know, this Kaminga thing is real. I mean, he could really help them in the playoffs playing that small ball five role, which he's becoming accustomed to. And as you said, if they get healthy at the right time and Steph Curry could look like Steph Curry, yeah. you know, they could go really far. They still could go really far. They are dangerous. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, we had said that before. I don't know why. I mean, you know, I, I just like to see a little bit of it. I like to see like a nice five game stretch before the season's over uh, where we, they get into a groove and we can really see it. But we don't even know what what Steph Curry's um, prognosis is right now. I don't think. Let me look. I think me. he's coming back soon. Uh, let's see what NBC Sports says. Uh, they Roto World says, um, despite a brief rush, rough patch. Uh, okay. According to Woj, there is optimism that Steph Curry will return sometime next week during the team's three-game road trip. All right, there you go. That'll be good. Now, the Wiggins thing is really concerning, too. But he And he hasn't come back. I don't think, right? He didn't play uh, in the last – let me see what they say here. Uh, he's still not available. Um, oh, you know what? The last update they had was on the 25th. He didn't play against the Wolves. And I, I don't think he played the last game either. So that's that's concerning because you don't really know what that's about, and it sounds you know serious. And so um, – Hopefully that can get taken care of and he can get back on the court with them. Cause that's the other thing. They, they can't get him back. Forget about it. Yeah. They need him as that two way wing. Obviously we know he was great in their championship run from last year. So he's definitely needed for them to win. For sure. Well, buzzer beater is back and he wants to say, uh, damn Jalen Brown, sure bet Knicks 125 Celtics 95. I think he was saying, he's not saying damn Jalen Brown. He's, I think it's like, he's saying, Damn him. Damn Jalen Brown. Sure bet Knicks. So the, he thinks the Knicks are going to blow the Celtics out. In, in, wait, did I say that was in New York? Um, no, it's in Boston. I don't I don't see the Knicks blowing Boston out in Boston, do you? No. It's a revenge game, too. So, you know, and by the way, it may not mean much uh, in the overall scheme of things. The, the Knicks will still be who they are. Uh, but, like, you know, the Celtics might want to make a big point. They might come with it more than, than even normal to, to make that point. But um, we'll, we shall see. Yeah, I mean, I think Jason Tatum will probably be have a big game because he's due for one, hasn't been playing as well as of late. So uh, that could happen in Boston. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And Will made a good point about Thibault in college. I mean, there's no question that he – the Thibault, the genius of him, and I got to sit down with him over in the offseason, is he uses offensive footwork on defense. So you'll see him do things in challenge shots, and his footwork is just like he's doing like like a a, a runner or a, a floater on offense. And he he's understanding better than most how to use your foot, your feet to do that. And we need to expand that and start teaching more people. The, the sliding thing isn't really effective, you know. You know how we teach people to lift their both feet and then split and go on offense mm-hmm. on your catch. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to teach that on defense. There's no question that those all everything applies. And um, even if you're doing like uh, containing as a big man uh, in a pick and roll and you drop, uh, if you're going to be square to the man and you have to try to waddle back and backwards to try and do that, that doesn't work. It's not as explosive. If you turn your body a little bit and now you're using the outside edge of your ankle and, uh, you know, to, to be able to push off uh, and, and split from there, you're, you're much more um, uh, mobile and explosive. And, uh, and then you can still do your stuff with the hands up and, and, and you know, be more uh, aggressive defensively. So we got to teach a lot of different things that uh, are not being taught on defense. And I think we'll, get, we'll find some, some more effectiveness. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, in my pickup playing over the past few weeks, I've been like implementing a lot of stuff we talk about. It's been working really well. The cornet closeout, 
just going behind people and have people are confused when I play defense behind them. I'll tell you that they don't know what's going on. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, I'm, I can I, I, believe me. I, it, it is very confusing, which is why it would be great defense uh, to do. I'm going to make a video on it when the season's over and then push it because if you're a coach out there and you're looking for a way to cause the uh, maximum havoc, then I got the defense for you, and uh, I'll, I'll diagram it and show it uh, soon. You know what I realized about basketball? That sometimes you don't have to be great at what you're doing. You just sometimes have to throw them a different look, and that could change everything, right? Like, like if you've been playing man the whole time, your 2-3 two, three um Two three zone might not be great, but it's going to mess them up for a few plays. It really right. is. It's going to and take then go back. It's the man. Then that, that yes. one can also yes. screw up. So there was no yes. question. Speaking of which, uh, you know, um, Charlotte went to a two three zone uh, with uh, the, the starters. He, uh, he actually, he actually, um, Coach Clifford was talking about NBA defense, and he said he thinks the future of NBA defense is going to have more zone in it. Yeah, I'm, I, I think I need to make a call to Coach Clifford and show him what I did because, but, but they tried a two three zone. Uh, you could imagine it did not go well, and they got out of it the next possession. But literally, uh, you remember, you can you can ball screen a zone, and then I think sometimes coaches don't understand that either. And they just, they set a ball screen on the inside part of the one guard. The other guard had to step over, and that left Kevin Durant on the right wing all by himself. And they just threw one pass away, boom, and he shot. It was the net didn't even move, and they quickly got out of it. So um, it, you yeah. know, it's, it's not hard when you get understand it and you focus on how to attack a zone. You can get them out of there pretty quickly. But, um, yeah, so what, what else should we talk about as we start to move towards maybe the, the – we're closer to the end of the show than the beginning. What, what should we talk about? I don't know, man. What do you think? <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, we've, we've ran through a whole bunch of stuff. It's like I don't yeah. think we knew we were going to – I think it was a great – I think it was a great show. It, it really is. It really is. I mean, I'm kind of keeping my eye on the on the uh, comments to see if someone wants to throw something out there. Uh, you know, um, what else did you see? Oh, I did a really fun. You should go watch it if you haven't seen it. Uh, I did a little YouTube thing about my visit to Portland, and in there's a Nasir oh, Little yeah. interview, which I did with him, which is really great. I got to cut that out and, and start sharing it because you never get a chance to hear NBA players really go in depth about what about individual plays they made. And he goes over footwork, he talks about reading the defense. It's really interesting, and um, you should definitely see it if you haven't about the about the, my trip to Portland. Yeah, I actually watched that, and it was very insightful. Everything he was saying. Also, I think like the future of sports media is going to have more stuff, more niche, more creators, more different kinds of people asking players questions. So I think we're like going into a great time in sports media. Yeah. Oh, we got a good question here. Yes, sir. It is. Yep. I get you, Buzzer Peter, you might have missed the very, very, very beginning of the show as I and I made the same exact comment with exactly the same amount of question marks and exclamation points afterwards, uh, vocally. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, we're loving members only. Um, but by the way, I can I guess I'll tease it here a little bit. I'm going to go to uh the game in Orlando on Sunday. And nice. I scored a really big interview nice. with uh one, the team that's visiting. So I'm very excited about it. And, um, I, you know, I don't necessarily want to just completely announce it before I actually get it in the can. But, like, as far yeah. as I know, it's happening. Uh, so, that's, a, that's a big thing. That, you're a vet for that because even with something scheduled, you never know what could happen. So you don't want to never announce anything too early. Yeah, you're true. I, I do. But I'm excited. I'm, I'm too excited. No, know. no, no. I'm saying you did it the right way. Like, you said what's happening, but you didn't talk about it specifically, which is yeah, the right, right way to go. Yeah. Yeah. You guys can figure out if you see who's going to be there. Uh, who I probably have uh, lined up to talk about. So I'm very excited, but yeah, I'll, I'll make sure to tease a little bit more when I get it in the can on Sunday. Um, 
But uh, let's see here. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, uh, you know what? I mean, oh, we got another Super Chat real quick. Uh, although, where is it? It's slow to populate in the uh, – oh, here it is. Wait, where did it go? There it is. There we go. From Braun, friend of the breakdown, best friend of the breakdown. Braun, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, he writes, hey, coach, thoughts on Bancaro's shot form. He's shooting 27% in the four attempts this season and only 3% in February. Yikes. Um, I can't picture my mind's eye Bancaro's jump shot. Can you? He doesn't get it off as effortlessly he does in the mid-range. I'll tell you that. It's not as fluid. Um, he was always like that since college. Like, that's one of the improvement areas I thought for him was that he has to be able to get that three-point shot off more effortlessly. But he's such a dynamic player, man. Like, he um, can play that point-forward type role, which is kind of LeBron-ish, but, but then he could get in the mid-range and create his own kind of like Carmelo-ish. So he's really like, he's going to be a really good player for years to come. And we never we might not have ever seen a duo like Franz and Paulo, just like two-point-forward type players that are that dynamic playing together. So the future is bright for them. Um, I, I just called them up. I want to take a peek. Oh. Okay. Um, it, it, it's okay. Um, you know, I might need to go take an even longer peek at this, but um, is it, are they off a dribble? I wonder. Yeah, they, they probably are all. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's rhythm. He's just not – it's not – there's a synchronization there. I think the alignment looks pretty good. He's got a decent turn, and so the hip and the elbow are in the right are to the basket, um, you know. But but yeah, he, he's got to he's just got to readjust um, his the rhythm, the timing of when his arm swing comes up. It's a little early, it looks like, so the energy of the ball is being dissipated. So it makes and then now his arm needs to push. The funny thing is, is I would say you don't want to use your arm as the power to push the ball because that's when it gets off left and right, but. Um, then you go watch, you know, um, Halliburton absolutely light it up in the three point contest doing pretty much exactly that. And now, you know, then I don't know what to make of that, but, um, yeah, I think, um, Bancaro just needs to, uh, to, to clean up a lot of stuff, clean up the, 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 the gather of the ball, learn how to dip off the dribble more, and then he'll, he, he'll be in, in decent shape. There's exceptions to every rule, right? Like Le Reggie Miller was a great shooter, but would I tell somebody to try and mimic Reggie Miller's form? No, right. No. I had forgotten, you know, I put that in there in the middle, in the middle of my three-point thing talking about Halliburton because there's a similarity to, like, you know, Halliburton's hand almost hits the left hand, and Reggie's really hit his opposite hand, hit together on the release, and I would forgotten just how violent that was. And you're right, like, he got it to work, but, yes, I wouldn't use that as my starting point for anybody uh, as, you're, as you're building a jump shot. And if the guy wasn't making a lot of them, then you definitely might want to start cleaning that up, right? But by the time Reggie kind of had got that form down, then, yeah, he was an elite shooter. He was making a lot of them. He, he, Reggie's form is as unique as they come. Uh, probably yes. in the fact that his sister was beating the crap out of him as a kid, and he had to shoot, like, higher and higher to get it off, I, I thinking is what happened. Um, yeah, that could be it. That could be it. Yeah. So, all right, here we go. Um, we got some – all of a sudden, here comes some, uh, some super chats. Thank you guys so much. It really helps. And this is from England. Wow. Marek Keska asks, uh, do people still get taught the wrong way to shoot? So let me ask you, what's right and what's wrong? Okay, I'll tell you this. If you teach a guy to not dip the ball, that's wrong. Mm -hmm. If you teach a guy to be 10 toes to the rim and square to the basket, that's wrong. 
after that, you know, I kind of, I have a lot of leeway, but then we have the rhythm. So I want rhythm. I want alignment. That's really what I focus on. And I've had a lot of success doing that for a lot of different uh, players with a lot of, and eliminate a lot of the heartache, right? Because if you're going to try and drill it the old way, uh, you, you might even get there eventually. You might even become a decent shooter or a good shooter, but it's going to take a lot longer and it's going to be a lot more frustrating. So um, I, those are the two big ones that I, I rail against and I still, you know, have problems when people do. And also, if you want to force someone to like stare at the rim the whole way through, I don't even get into that where their eyes go, but certainly uh, most of the good shooters follow the ball with their eyes in the, on the release. And if you have someone who's like, don't do that, then that's a problem too. Yeah. What about you? I mean, you know, I always look at energy transfer. What's the basketball doing? If the basketball is moving in the right way, I don't have a problem with what the player is doing. Like, I like to look at shooting as if the person wasn't visible, what would the basketball be doing? And you don't want any hitches. You don't want basketball going in all different types of directions. And as we just said, there's players that could still shoot good and do it that way. But you're almost defying the odds if you do it that way, like Tyrese Halliburton. So, um, yeah, you want the basketball to be a one fluid motion on its way up with no stoppage. For sure. And by the way, it's just Markel Fultz speaking of like struggling and shooting, whatever. Oh, yeah. He's got better. Way better. Yeah, it's like so the three point shot is, you know, he's 32 percent and he only takes one a game, one and a half a game. So it's not like he's, you know, high volume, but he's he's just become the guy that that, that was drafted. Number one, Wait, number one or number two, was he number, one? One. number one, number one, he's kind of becoming that guy that, like you know, he's looking more and more like the guy that came out of college that way before whatever happens to his to him. And you know what? Maybe I'll get an interview with him. We'll see. I'll be I'll be there and I'll see if I can't get him. Um but, you know, he's at 13.4 points a game, five and a half assists. He's playing you know, a little under 30 minutes a game. So uh, it's just a great story uh, to see him overcome that and, and persevere because it would have been easy for him to just sort of not not do it and then and ultimately wash out. So we got some more Super Chats. Brian Holiday. Thank you so much, Brian. Really, really generous of you. I can't I can't thank you enough. I think I think their offense will be fine, but do you think Denver's defense will hold in the playoffs? Uh, listen, there's no indication their defense is good enough to, to make a deep run in the playoffs. I, I hate to say it, but I just checked it like, you know, five, six days ago. I think it was 22nd in the league. Just not good enough. And now, now let's let's check it again here. A wise man once told me defense me fence. I said that, didn't I? <laughs> did I say that? Yeah, he said I that. did. I did. But th- yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think you're talking about the right now. They're actually they're ranked 14th. They must have been better in the last several games. Let me look at the last like 10 games. Let's see what happens. Defensive rating in uh, the 12th in the last 10 games. So it's not like they've ticked up too much, but uh, it, it'll be their It'll be their downfall if they don't make it is, is their defense. They need to be able to stop people. And then, you know, they can score the best of them. But um you know Jokic might turn it on a little bit he doesn't even put his hand up some of the times and it's like come on now uh maybe he'll change that a little bit in the playoffs maybe he knows they won't call as many fouls in the playoffs so he can risk maybe you know that so um and then you know if they can tick up a couple spots then i feel a lot better about him but right now you know it's higher than it was it's not bad 15th i'll take uh you know but i, I don't think you get to you don't you don't get out of the conference finals at 15th i don't think yeah i'll say that yeah, no matter how good your offense is, you usually have to, at the least, be top 10 to make a deep playoff run. At For the sure. least. Sure. Yeah. Well, here we have another one. Thank you so much, Buzzer Beater. Wow, Buzzer Beater's just like the man behind the uh, Super Chat today. Thank you. He wants to know what the name of the Portland video is I mentioned. It's, um, oh, you know what? I probably should put Blazers of Portland in the title. It's it's behind the scenes of an NBA game, and it's gotten this here little on the uh, thumbnail. And it came out just on the 27th a few days ago. So please go and watch that one. That needs a lot more love. I don't know. Maybe I have to rename it, but um, that should get watched more because it's also cool just to see, you know, how the players warm up and what they're doing. I have a lot of that footage you saw. 
And um, yeah, it's all it's all good stuff. So Buzzer Beater, thank you uh, for asking that and helping me get that out there. Maybe I'll even drop it in the community so people can see it because you got to watch it. Um, but uh, Combo, I think um, I think it's time to kind of get back to our lives for the rest of the day. I'm going to be out of town. I'm going to be in Orlando and then Florida for the re- for a lot of next weeks. So I don't know if we can do it. Maybe from my iPad, if I can figure it out, we can try uh, and get a live show in there. Sounds good, Coach Nick. Safe travels. Talk soon, man. Thank you so much. And thank you, everybody out there, for all the buzzer beater, really above and beyond for all the uh, super chats. It really helps us. Thank you so much. Um, and uh, thank you all for watching and being part of this. This is really a great show today. A lot of people here. And uh, Combo, as always, uh, really, really happy to have you with us and, and doing uh, your your stuff. And uh, don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel. We're a conversation. You in? You in, Combo? Yes, sir.